Hello and welcome Brett to and Uncle Brian provide a play-by-play -play of each and every episode of the original Hallmark dramatic series, Cedar Cove. Auntie Sarah, Uncle Brian, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Auntie Sarah and my favorite flavor of ice cream is mint chip. I'm Uncle Brian and I like um, various beer flavored ice creams. Whoa! What? Yeah. That sounds awesome. I do enjoy those. Holy moly. Whoa. Um... I'm Karen, and my preferred ice cream flavor is chocolate sorbet. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. This week, Uncle Brian will walk us through his synopsis of Season 2, Episode 6. Yes, the title of this episode is Trials and Tribulations, but I think they could have called it Troubled Faces and Concerned Expressions, <laughs> because there's a whole lot of both in this episode. All right, so I have four, oh, four main plots for us, but there's also a one-scene judicial interlude that's more or less unconnected to them. I'm going to recap this first. It's oh in the vein of that tree trial that oh, appeared. The, the no! tree trial. Yeah, several episodes ago. It's pretty much just an opportunity to see Olivia Lockhart-style justice in action, so we can call it, like, Lockhart Law 101. Ooh, pew, pew, pew. Yes. Love it. Lockhart Law. In today's Lockhart Law installment, we Evil have... scream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Barnes, who is explaining to Judge Lockhart that his family has owned the bait and tackle shop in Cedar Cove for 30 years, and he's never had to pay to park in front of his own shop until recently. Wow. He complains that the mayor is in Warren Saget's pocket, and they've cooked up a scheme to install parking meters all over town. He fumes that, quote, this is Cedar Cove, not New York City. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Olivia notes that regardless of all that, he has 30 unpaid parking tickets. Holy moly. Yeah. I'm sorry. If he, this were New York City, that car would have been towed, yes. impounded, never to see me again, yeah. taken apart by He'd like subway jail. rats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. He says he won't pay. Olivia explains that he will continue to get ticketed and then towed and then fined. And then she smiles her crooked smile and says that with your clean record and family's contribution to our town and main street... She would be willing to talk the mayor into removing that parking meter as long as Mr. Barnes replaces it with a nice wooden bench. What? Mr. Barnes doesn't seem too impressed with the solution. Because it's ridiculous! So Olivia prompts him. <laughs> you would say, thank you, Judge Lockhart. Oh my god. And he does so reluctantly. Like he's a toddler. Is, is, is she becoming a, a dictator? Like a little mini dictator? She runs. Becoming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there seem to be two power... I mean, what this scene sets up, right, is there are yeah. two power blocks in town, and they're going to go up against each other. The mayor and Olivia. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. And the mayor has Warren in his yeah. pocket. But Olivia has justice. Oh, my God. Lockhart style. Eagle scream. Yep. So <laughs> that concludes our installment of Lockhart Law. All right. All right. Wait, I, I don't understand... Why does Warren care if there's parking yeah. meters? Why is that a thing that Warren would want? Like, let's put a lot of parking meters everywhere. You would think maybe he wouldn't want parking yeah. meters. Yeah. I mean, all it does is generate revenue for the town, right? For the city. Yeah. Unless, unless the mayor was complaining to Warren about how broke they are, and Warren was like, well, in the city, we just do parking meters. And yeah. then the mayor was, like, grateful to Warren for the idea. Mm. Yeah. Does Warren manufacture parking meters? Oh, maybe. And install them? <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe his construction company. Yeah, yeah as a money laundering 
Yes. Thing. For yeah, for his crooked partner's Becky. Yeah, I don't get. Yeah, I don't get. You're right. I don't get why, why? one segment. I mean, Saget. Sag and also, who cares? Also, yeah. sorry. It's important. Yes. Sorry, guys. I think that the curmudgeonly response is any like parking meters, uh, uh, toll booths, um, taxes. Generally, yeah, they're all annoying. Yeah. Right? All right. Sure. Okay. Okay. D story. Dear listener, I did not ask for this D story. <laughs> I did not ask for old Ian and new Cecilia. Promoted <laughs> to regular supporting them. characters who have plots no. of their own. We did not ask for this. <sighs> no. Even when Je Luke and Justine are around, we should not even see these people. <laughs> I have deep reservations about this D story. I don't want it at all. Um, but here we go. Justine and Cecilia are at Moons to meet Ian so they can strategize about how to help Luke. More on that later. Really? Yeah. I thought they don't like him. Uh, I thought they just, they were like, later. Well, more later. All right. Cecilia tells Justine that she wants to avoid caffeine because she wants to get pregnant again. Aunties? Caffeine? Is this a thing? I've never heard of this before. Does caffeine interfere with getting pregnant? I think... Or is Cecilia just dumb? I think it's one <laughs> of those, like... Uh, like in sort of hippie new age circles, you avoid caffeine and sugar and da 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 da. And but, sugar? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think in certain circles it's a thing. And but I think as far as like Western medical science, I don't think it's a thing. Yeah, it seems. I don't know. Caffeine. I mean, if Cecilia does a lot of yoga and gets acupuncture, she might have those feelings. But okay, I don't know if it fits with the character. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I'd never heard this before, yeah. but I didn't know it, if it was It seems thing. pretty... It seems like a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you may remember, although I would be so proud of you if you didn't, <laughs> that in the pilot, way back in season one, Ian and Cecilia were considering a divorce after having lost their infant yeah. child. Oh, yeah. Justine remembers this and asks Cecilia if Ian is ready to have another child. Cecilia says she worries that he isn't, but she's been hinting in all kinds of ways, including by eating ice cream around him. What? Are yeah. These, how, why is it that people just don't <laughs> verbally communicate on this program? That's the whole question that should be asked about this D story. Um, yeah. Like why don't people talk to each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I eat ice cream all the time. Are you signaling something to Ian? I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, if so, I would have been signaling that since the age of like four or five. Right. My God. I eat a lot of ice cream. I too. love ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Weird. Well, so Justine sensibly asks Cecilia why she doesn't just ask Ian. Mm -hmm. um, and Cecilia says she fears he doesn't want to have kids again. Then Ian arrives and the plot shifts to Luke. We'll come back to that. This plot picks up later again. Ian and Cecilia are in their home, which seems improbably nice, I thought. Um... <laughs> Cecilia is worried, and Ian assures her that things with Luke will be okay. She says that she's actually worried about us, and uh -huh. then dives right in by telling Ian she wants to have a child now, and that she's ready to put herself through it again. Ian tries to shut it down. Cecilia tells him she understands. If he's scared, he gets upset, and asks if she's already pregnant, which she isn't. But she explains that she is with him because she wanted a, quote, normal family, and, quote, normal family includes family, which means children. Holy moly. Ew! All about, all about it. Give me some ice cream. Don't want to think about them anymore. That's my response to that. I, I mean, have I have one note. Exactly one Jesus. note on this whole D story, and it's this. 
Ian and Cecilia are super boring. They're Terrible. so boring. I'm worried about us. I want a family, a normal family, and a normal family has more than two people in it. It's got a baby. Oh my god. Yeah. She needs a cat. She needs a she needs a sack of flour with a face painted on it with a sharpie. That's what she that needs. That would solve some problems. But right. that's not. Oh my god, these people are terrible. Yeah. Normal family includes family, which means children. Are you pregnant already? Oh my god. To oh which god. Aunt, I mean to which Ian should have replied, take your heteronormative bullshit elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cecilia, but you he doesn't. Be a, you can be a family of one lesbian lady with two dogs. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. a family. Oh, hell yeah, that's a family. Love a, that's, makes a family. That's yeah. a loving and healthy family right mm-hmm. there where everyone's happy and everyone sleeps in the same bed yep. and gives each other snorkels. <laughs> I love it. Snorkels make a family. Snorkels, snorkels make, make a family. Fa- Let's get a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. We should sell that. I know. Um, Yeah. All right. But he doesn't say that. He just says he isn't ready. Uh, Celia wants to know if he'll ever be ready again. He doesn't answer and leaves to go look for Luke. Later, Ian returns home. Cecilia is in the bathroom and she sneakily slips something into her back jeans pocket, Uh like surreptitiously. What? We later find out it was her birth control pills. Why would she put them in her back pocket? Because she wants to sit on them and... It doesn't make any sense. The only answer I can come up with is... I hate this plot. I hate these characters. I hate this. Anyway, Ian apologizes, but she says, but says he's just not ready to have kids. He asks if they're okay, which Cecilia says that's fine. But then she goes back into the bathroom, pulls her birth control pills out of her back pocket. Why were they in there? Gives them a troubled look and then throws them into the bathroom trash. <laughs> these people are the worst. They're the worst. These people are idiots. Who does that? I don't know. It's always been such a good idea to get pregnant on purpose without your partner's consent. Right? And especially yeah. when you know that that is precisely what they don't want to yes. do. Right. When he explicitly said no. Yeah. If you're going to throw away your birth control pills, like, wouldn't you do so better than just throwing them in the bathroom? In the bathroom? I know, right? That's just asking for that. Scene, yeah. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. No, you need to put them in the kitchen trash and then put some stank ass food on top. Yeah, coffee grounds. And coffee grounds. <laughs> put them down the. Or put them in your back pocket of your jeans and then leave the house and throw them away somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's go away from this story. Please. Yeah. Sea story. Grace continues to really make the sea story hers. <laughs> this story starts with Cowboy Cliff leading Grace across a patch of grass with his hands over her eyes. When he pulls his hands away, Grace looks at a beat-down shack. <laughs> <laughs> a spacious one, though. It's I mean, it's a not large small. beat-down shack. Yeah. It's not small. It's not. It's... But it doesn't look that inviting. Yeah, shack. I was trying to come up with the right word. Bungalow. I didn't even want to say house because it Shanty? doesn't even look... I don't know. It's pretty crappy. Is it like what I imagine tortilla flats looking like in it's, Steinbeck? Um, uh, no. Maybe a little more substantial. It does look drafty, though. Like, you oh. get the feeling that... Looks like a summer house on a bad lake oh somewhere in the yes. Midwest. <laughs> there you a go. A summer house on a bad like lake. Like, not on, like, the ocean or someplace it's nice. It's been in the same like, family for, yes. like, 70 years. Exactly. And no one ever really does any maintenance on it. We always go to Lake... Whatever in... No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not in the Midwest. That That's somewhere else. Better. 
Lake, yeah, Minnesomething in Minnesota. Lake, Lake Minnesomething. Yeah. Wonkaloo. Yeah, that one. Minnewonka. Minnewonka. Yeah. Well, so she very helpfully explains to the viewer that it is the cabin on Cowboy Cliff's ranch. What? And Cowboy Cliff explains that his tenant moved out from the cabin, and he doesn't have a new tenant yet, and that this cabin would solve Grace's problem of not having anywhere to live after she sells her house. Whoa. What do you think? He asks her. And her response is a troubled look. <laughs> Grace does that a lot. Yeah. She, yeah Why doesn't she just say, I don't want to live in that drafty-ass shack? Every conversation they have is, like, time-delayed. Like, he'll ask <laughs> yeah. her a question, and then it's she just look, looks troubled, and then, and then gets back to fades him out later. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, later, Grace is waiting for Olivia right outside the courtroom. She explains that Cliff offered her the cabin on his property. Olivia exclaims that it's lovely on the outside, but it's not. But is it? No. No. And asks Grace what it's like on the inside. Grace says she didn't even go inside, and Olivia accuses her of prejudice against cabins. All right. I guess. Okay. If she likes it so much, why doesn't she move into it? Right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> why don't they trade houses? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Grace redirects the conversation back to the matter at hand by asking Olivia if Jack has ever given her a gift she didn't want. Apparently both of them have forgotten about the unwanted house key yeah. that Jack yeah. tried to give her just a few episodes that ago. That happened so recently and I had like an immediate trigger, triggered like, ah, yes, of course. thought of right? that. Jesus. But instead, Olivia complains about a flannel shirt that Jack bought her last Christmas. Man, she complains. Two things really? about that. One, does Jack know Olivia at all? <laughs> Why would he give Why her a... Why would he buy her a flannel shirt? I guess for gardening... Or for like house clean. pajamas. Pajamas. But, but what? Then that's not really a Christmas gift. No. Weekend wear. No, yeah. she doesn't wear that on weekends. And no. two, weren't they all in the hospital with Shelly last Christmas? Yeah. Anyway, wasn't like, there like a lot of yelling and screaming and goobery drooling? There yeah. was. Yeah. A ton. Anyway, Olivia says that Grace is just using the cabin as an excuse because she doesn't want to leave her house, and Grace says, "Yeah, okay, that's true." Uh, but couldn't she also talk about the fact that like, isn't it weird that your boyfriend wants to move you into a shack? On a troubled lake in his property? Yeah. Isn't that weird? He kind of lives... <laughs> he kind of lives in an abandoned summer camp. <laughs> That's what that cabin reminds me of. Yeah. Like an abandoned summer like, camp. I, uh-huh. I don't want you to move in with me. <laughs> I, want I want you to move into this... Live by yourself. Shack, yes. yeah. <laughs> in an abandoned summer camp on the shores of this lake. I want you to turn into an old troubled <laughs> witch crone. That children are scared of on the edge of this lake. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. Well, it is it is a little bit more thoughtful than, oh, just move in with me. Because it's a little soon in their relationship. Yeah. That. At least he's not pressuring her to do that. That's true. It's like she could have her own space. Yeah. They could be close. But, yeah, it's still yeah. not It seems her. very not Grace. Yeah. Right. It's well, not Grace. Well, and Grace. so here we are. Okay. It's dinner time at Grace's house, and she's serving Cowboy Cliff some homemade... Curried veggie paella, she calls it. She explains she created it to help empty the pantry. Oh my god. Like, apparently we're at that point where she's moving out of the house somehow, and so she's just putting things together. Which is weird, like, you don't empty the pantry and, like, you would, you would literally be moving somewhere. Yeah, right? Like, she doesn't have anywhere to move to. Okay, but whatever. She's emptying out the pantry, she makes this... Curried veggie paella. He says it's good, but he has a troubled look. Uh Something is bothering him. Uh Uh-oh. He asks if they're going to talk about her lack of interest in the cabin. 
she's wearing very chunky metal jewelry uh, at this dinner. <laughs> per use. Per use. And she says, even my sneakers have heels. I don't do cabins. You know what? That's that an acceptable fair, response. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, this is why you don't spend the night at my ranch. <gasps> she denies this, but then she admits that the ranch is very animally, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then she makes fun of the boots he has nailed to his walls. <gasps> he has boots nailed to walls? He does. Is he a psycho killer? A serial killer. <laughs> living next door to an abandoned suburb. <laughs> <laughs> These are the boots of my victims. Yes. Oh my god, so weird. <laughs> no. No. No, he's too nice for that. But it's, he's, you know. He looks sad when she says that. Aww. And he gets up to leave. <gasps> I'm done, he says. She's offended. And he's Grace aesthetic. asks, with dinner? With me? Aww. And he doesn't answer. <gasps> This seems like a lot. And he explains that the boots on his walls are from all the rodeo competitions that he has won and that he likes them. And then he leaves. Aww. And Grace looks troubled. Well, he leaves all that paella. I think he just wanted to avoid eating it, right? I know. I've and, never heard of a curried veggie paella. And, I know. It doesn't... That's not... It doesn't sound... It doesn't... Like yeah. Yeah. Um, and he leaves a whole glass of wine. Well, this is another situation is, yes. of pouring a full glass of wine, having a plated meal, and then just abandoning it. It's a this thing. Is being, this is a trope. This is Cedar Cove it's trope. Yeah. I don't think I make enough money to be able to do that. I know, right? Yeah. If I have a bottle of wine and I open the bottle of wine, I am drinking the bottle of wine. Yeah. 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 So... She heard his feelings. The next day, we see Grace flipping through the Cedar Cove Chronicle. Which appears to have like 20 pages. That's what I wrote. It got bigger. I fear we've been too hard on this publication lately. Anyway, she sees Cowboy Cliff's Cabin for Rent ad in the classifieds. This is still pretty old-fashioned, but I guess it's a step up from trying to rent the cabin using Comic Sans flyers on local (laughs) bulletin boards, which I'm sure was his plan B. Yeah. Um, Looking at the ad, Grace figuratively kicks herself. And then she has a realization. A bit later, there is a very brief scene of Grace stalking around the outside of the cabin, peering into the windows. She sees a big television. What? And that's all they show us. What? But apparently she lets herself in because a bit later, Cowboy Cliff catches her inside the cabin's kitchen, which is, dear listener, terrible. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) It's, no, it's grim, the inside Mm -hmm. of that cabin in the kitchen. The cabin is wrong in exactly every way. It's like a murder house. Oh Um, my god. (laughs) Both Cowboy Cliff and Grace admit that they don't want to fight anymore. She apologizes for all the things she said. Cowboy Cliff reminds her that his ex-wife never told him how she felt about anything. And he appreciates Grace's honesty with him. Grace says, can I tell you something else? I don't want to live here. It's not me. And Cowboy Cliff says, well, it's there if you ever do want it. All right. And that's... So, later, Olivia rides her bike up to Jack along the water. She's on her bike again. Is she still wearing scarves that are going to get caught in the gears? No, but is she wearing a helmet? No. No. And she has a big baguette sticking out of her basket. It's so Parisian. It's so Parisian. So Parisian. I know. Yeah, Parisians don't wear helmets either, so. I guess that's I guess that's. No helmet required in France. There you go. Um, Hey, that's the name of the podcast. Cask. Uh, Reki Seat. Podcast Reki Seat. I think I just made up a whole new language. That's awesome. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, she tells Jack she's canceling their date so she can go to Grace's. At Grace's, she tells Grace 
that she's brought food and two bottles of wine so that they can, quote, pack, drink, reminisce, and cry. Oh, my God. What to do first? Cry, says Grace, and drink. They toast to new beginnings, and that's the end of our sea story. All right. <sighs> well, they they were managed to communicate by the end of it. They did. Yeah. So I think this was a success. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it could have been one single conversation. Sure. It, it really could have. Like we didn't need to see all that murder house. Conversations. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Was it the kind of place with, like, mouse droppings everywhere? Yes. Oh, I'm sure. Gross. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't totally. have moved in there. Yeah. Oh, right. no. It was grim. Yeah. All right. Oof. B story. The B in B story stands for, stands for bad boss. Oh, boy. Mm. Because this is the story of Eric's transition. No! Into a management jerk. <laughs> I love it. As you'll recall, Eric is working for Warren Saget, and Jack is not happy about that. This story starts as Eric and Jack part company in the morning to head to their respective workplaces. Eric makes a comment about Jack's hatchet job article on Warren from last episode, (laughs) and Jack defends himself by appealing to journalistic ideals, quote, The Chronicle is no different from the New York Times, he says. No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that in my notes, too. Moron. What did he say? Like, all the news that's fit to print yes. or something like that? Yeah, it's like, the motto. Oh, Jack. Oh, he's, yeah, delusions of grandeur. Uh, but, Eric replies, if you write another article like that, I'll lose my job. He asks why Jack isn't happy for him, and Jack insists he is, but Eric and us don't believe him. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no. No. So, later, Jack is brooding about Eric. Olivia says she thought they were in a good place. Jack admits he's been telling Eric how he feels about Warren. Olivia explains that sometimes children do the opposite of what they are told. He's not a child, And though. counsels him not to push Eric any closer to Warren. He's yeah. a googly-eyed adult with a child of his own. And she drops this, like, she acts like she's giving some, like, deep insight. Yeah, other than just sort of basic... Powerful parenting wisdom. Basic reverse psychology. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I wrote that Olivia advises Jack to take a laissez-faire approach to the whole Warren and Eric bromance. Yeah. Just like she did with Justine. She's like, remember, I didn't, I didn't give Justine yes. a hard time about Warren, which is not true. It's totally bananas because she did give Justine a hard time about Warren, and if you remember, she actually blackmailed Warren into dissolving the engagement. That's, That's right. Right. Yeah. Oh, Olivia. Yeah. She has how quickly we forget revisionist history. Selective memory. History. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. So at the construction site, Warren is explaining to Eric that his partners back east are upset because the job is three days behind schedule, and that means they're losing money. This is all news to Eric, because almost everything is. Um, (laughs) Warren says that he needs Eric to, quote, kick the workers' lazy butts. Oh my god, He needs to keep the lunch breaks short and to keep them on task because they have three days to make up. Oh my god, what is he going to do? The only construction, like, like in the world that actually tries to make up behind schedule, right? Like, yeah. every other construction job just... Drags on. Runs over, right? Yeah. And everyone knows it's going to happen. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Warren says, you can handle that, right? To which Eric says, absolutely. And to which we say, no. No. no he can't handle that No. At all. Nope. Uh, back at the construction site, Eric notices that the workers are having a long, leisurely lunch break. He looks outraged and heads outside with his... Hard hat on. He looks like such a goober with that hard hat He's on. so dumb looking. 
He only gets dumber so looking bad. with like the more accessories that he has. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Bad. The more that you accessorize him, the dumber he looks. He um um can I can I talk about his slightly different look? Please. Okay. So I put that he is wearing um camel colored khaki pants, a mint green shirt, and an olive jacket that's kind of fitted. Mm-hmm. He has a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. And he's carrying a messenger bag. No more greasy bangs. Yeah, I'm not saying he looks good, but he does look better. He's getting like and he's LL Bean. Yes, he's and he LL yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's picking up some Warren Saget vibes. He's not flashy like Warren, no. but he but he is like putting together outfits with shirts that you would tuck into pants. Yeah, yes. he's wearing a mint green shirt and. Um, Color coordinating slightly. It's. I mean, there's no more flannels and baggy jeans and yeah. leather necklaces. He's even left the cardigans behind. Yeah, yeah. button down shirts. Button down shirts. Hmm. So he heads outside uh, with his hard hat on. He introduces himself to the workers as Eric, Mister Saget's associate. Oh my God! <laughs> Nothing sounds more ridiculous. Well, than and that. the workers look appropriately unimpressed. Yeah, yeah. He tries again by saying that Mister Saget put me in charge. Oh my God! The little foreman stands up and looks him in the eye and asks, "Do you feel like you're in charge?" <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I kind of wanted them to kick his ass. Yeah, that would have been kind of oh, awesome. That would have been awesome. But then I might have felt sorry for him. Yeah. I don't want to feel sorry for him. So yeah. maybe that's better no. this way. But the workers like that. There's like this chorus of like, oh. <laughs> Dang, you got yeah. loaded. Yeah. So nice try, Eric. Uh, after the setback, Eric stalks into moons, sadly, like a googly-eyed Eeyore. <laughs> so true. He tells Moon that he's worried Warren will fire him. He explains the situation to Warren. No, to Moon. Yeah. That's who he explains it to, to Moon, and says, quote, The foreman is a jerk, but I'm a jerk for letting him get the better of me. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. I guess. Moon doesn't really get it, so he responds with a quote from Buddha, who oh. was, quote, one righteous dude. Oh, my God. I forget the exact quote, but Moon glosses it as, quote, You gotta believe in yourself. You gotta believe in yourself before others will believe in you. All Which right. I'm pretty sure... I don't know. The Buddha did not say. It doesn't really doesn't sound like sound, the Buddha, right? doesn't sound Buddha-like at all. No. doesn't sound Buddhist. No. But then Moon does offer what I thought was actually a pretty useful piece of advice that he credits to his mom. Quote, if no one dies, that was a cheap life lesson. Oh, I like that. I think that's not half bad, actually. It's not half bad. I think all I might right. steal that and use that. If no one dies, that was a cheap life lesson. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can dig it. All right. Olivia returns home to find Jack hanging out in her backyard. She tells him that he needs to go home and to quit hiding out from Eric at her place. Oh my God. <laughs> he totally is. I love that. She elaborates on her earlier point by telling him how she used to criticize Warren to Justine when they were dating, but that she realized that just made them closer. Then she stopped, like Auntie Karen said, and then Justine dumped him. But yeah, as like you said, she glossed over the fact that she actually made that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the important thing, she says, is Eric knows that Jack supports him unconditionally. Uh, then she, he should trust Eric, just like Justine. Uh, yeah. All right. This would be better advice if Justine weren't in the process of making another bad decision. Oh, man, but more on that in a moment. Uh, back at the job site, Eric returns and forcefully tells the workers that, quote, lunch ended 30 minutes ago. 
He says, I'm in charge. You work for me. Oh, he's no more extended lunches. No more excuses. Oh, my God. He was practicing his power stance yeah. um, before he <laughs> walked up with his hands on his hips. Like, oh, he was oh, trying man. so hard. Yeah. Poor guy. When the foreman stands up and asks why they should take Eric seriously, Warren appears and uh. says, when you disrespect my representative, you disrespect me. I mean, maybe I should have said that in, like, a godfather voice. Yeah. When, when you disrespect my representative, you disrespect... You, re- you disrespect me. Yeah, that's good. Good. You come here on the night of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But so the foreman and the workers are cowed. Somehow Warren is impressed with Eric. He admits he purposely threw Eric into the quote-unquote deep water to, quote, see if he could swim... And it turns out he could. Really? This seems an unfortunate metaphor to use for a guy whose baby daughter is named after a drowning victim. But Warren is edgy like that. (laughs) He's so edgy, he is wearing a pink brocade polka dotted shirt. Whoa. Uh huh. With a wine colored tie and a bright red pocket square. (laughs) Holy moly. It really doesn't. Holy moly. He's going off the deep end. Yeah. Into the deep water. Deep water, tread in deep water. Where did Jordan die? <laughs> Remote control boat. <laughs> um, Dead Jordan. Dead Jordan. At any rate, Eric looks satisfied with himself, and he immediately heads over to the newspaper office. He's all cocky and jerk-faced now, Ugh. and he crows to Jack that it was a freaking awesome day. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Jack says he owes Eric an apology and tells him that he will support him no matter what. Eric accepts his apology. That's the end of our B story. Well, okay, that's why. Good. Finally. Good. We don't care. Nope. No. Poor Eric. Poor everyone has to work with Eric. I know, right? Here's another story we don't care about. Oh, great. Um, The A story. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like this story. This episode. It's terrible, but I like it. Okay. Yeah. It's morning at Olivia's house. Justine is Googling Luke and learning about what a big military hero he oh is. Oh, my God. Oh, he was in his, like, dress white, yeah. looking all spangly. He was. Yeah. Uh, so then she leaves. As she heads out the door, Olivia wonders if everything's okay. Justine says, everything's fine. But everything is not fine. Uh, down at the jail, Luke has spent the night in the cell because of his fight the night before, as you recall. Oh, God. He punched that guy outside of Moons. What a dummy. Sheriff Troy lets Justine in to see Luke. She wants to bail him out, but he refuses. He says, I can't hurt anyone else or you while I'm locked up. Oh my god, leave like him a, in there forever. It's like he thinks he's a werewolf. Yeah, he does. In the moon times. He does. It's like in Buffy when, you know, uh, Willow's first yes. boyfriend oh, yeah. had yeah, to, yeah. Oz had to lock himself yes. up, you know, so he wouldn't, like, hurt people. Oh, or sometimes God. they have to lock up Angel when they make him into darkness. Yes. Right? They're jealous. When yeah. he's jealous. Oh, that's hot. To... I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, he is yeah. a werewolf or Angelus. If you leave me in here, I can't hurt anyone. Because then she offers to find him a lawyer, and he tells her to stay away, and he says, quote, the safest place for you is far away from me. Ow. I really don't know what I'm capable of. Oh my god. <laughs> Ripping a person limb from limb. I'm convinced by this. Like, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, Later. Great. It's like my Angelou go says. When people tell you who they are, <laughs> believe, believe them. them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
So I hope Justine listens to him. But will she? I mean, come on. <laughs> nope. Nope. On her way out, she makes Sheriff Troy promise not to tell her mom about this. He agrees oh against God. his better judgment and gives her a concerned look. Yeah. Okay, I have two outfits for Justine. Oh, please. I think this is the earlier outfit. Yeah. So um, she's she's continuing to do the button-up shirt with the brooch. Yes. Underneath the patterned vest. Well. But she's also got this new Pee Wee Herman blazer. (laughs) It's a very skinny, uh, super, super skinny, light gray. It's a Pee Wee Herman blazer. Yeah. There's no other way to describe it. Yes. And then she has a little pop of color with coral flats. It's a whole mismatched She's got a whole new aesthetic now. Yeah, she really does. She does. But here's the thing. It's like, it's like... Okay, so the patterns and the colors don't necessarily go together. Yeah. Um, but then it's all these, like, really tailored jackets with the sleek hair. Yes. Which seems... So sleek. Like, what is happening? I don't get it. It's not like... Like the, like the... Like, the different patterns and colors make me think sort of bohemian. Yes. But then the styling is definitely not that. It's this Urban very... metropolitan. Yeah. Cosmo. So it's, it's like... Yeah. What is it? It's like it's not a real style that exists so, anywhere. I like it. I just wish she weren't her self. <laughs> so, I just wish that... So is it, is it like... Is it like a sort of rich private school girl from New York goes to, like, Mount Holyoke or somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and then tries to bohemian it up a little, yeah, but then like, can't yeah. get rid of but the sort of... But still basically yeah. prep school. Yeah. It's quirky and funky, but it's tailored and clean. It's very clean and preppy. Yeah. With, like, a twist of art... With a, with a twist of, of, of a, a clean artist. I do, but see, I don't get artist from it. Well, that's what they're thinking. That's There's what no reason thinking. she should have. There, I mean, this shouldn't be. Like, how did she come to this? But yeah, because you can't produce any art wearing what she's wearing. Right. No, you're definitely not. Yeah, she's not an artist anymore. Wearing a blazer. Yeah, she or, really isn't an artist. And anymore. she's not no, making she's jewelry. Done being an artist. If she's wearing, she's just squeaking around in clothing that's so tailored that she can't bend over. She is squeaking around. <laughs> I, like I'm a little with mouse. You. Like a. Everybody, my name's Atene. I wear very tightly patterned and tightly tailored brooches with um, vests and patent leather tangerine flats. <laughs> so she turned into a mouse. <laughs> I'm a mouse now. Aesthetics. Okay, she's a mouse now. Pretty soon she's going to have a little, like, Minnie Mouse bow in her hair. With, oh, like, God. No, see, dots. yeah, see, yes. That would be awesome. It, go, it, it, I'm, I, it goes. Yeah, I could see some weird hair accessories. It's like something out of the 80s. Like, it's she like needs a, a headband. Yeah. Or a, yeah. It's a headband with a bow on the headband, and it's all made out of plastic. It's Molly Ringwald, right? It's like Molly Ringwald, it's, yeah. Yeah, but, like, a more preppy version. Yeah. Because her hair is so straight. And it doesn't even go I'm that blonde. well. No. They're trying, but they're trying too hard. Yeah. So Justine shows up at the time and tide, bed and breakfast. Bob and Peggy wonder where Luke is. Justine gives them the news, tells them Luke is refusing to leave jail. Well, oh my god. Leave him there. There's something wrong with him. I don't know what it is. Hey, you know what? I need to get to the bottom of it. 
we all know mm-hmm. what's wrong with him. Yeah. And so does Bob, who explains that he and Peggy <laughs> pe- think Luke might have PTSD. Then there are several lines of public service dialogue that oh, explain exactly. PTSD and that a lot of soldiers Info are coming with people it. people in the back. Yep. Once we are all appropriately aware, Bob <laughs> says darkly that he knows it when he sees it. Aww. And we are led to speculate about Bob's history. Yeah. Cut to Jack at work at the Chronicle. He's checking out the police blotter online and sees Luke has been arrested. He calls Sheriff Troy to ask if this is Justine's buddy, Luke. Uh-oh. Now cut to Olivia... On the bench in her courtroom as Luke is brought in. Uh-oh. In front of her. She takes off her glasses in surprise and sympathy. Luke looks ashamed. Well, Justine, it doesn't stay a secret for long. Yeah, it just stays a secret for about 20 minutes. That's what happens when your mom is the judge. The yeah. presiding judge. Duh. Yeah. Dang. All right. Later, we join Jack and Olivia at their lunch on the bench by the water. Jack is eating a, quote, peanut butter, banana, and mayo sandwich. And Ew. Olivia is disgusted. Why mayo? She instead has a turkey, brie, and caramelized onion sandwich. What an odd couple, these two. Oh, my God. And then he's, like, he's really proud of himself for making these sandwiches. And he then, made both? Yeah. Yeah. And then he teases her about not knowing what a kitchen is. Coming back to that. Because he made a really... Complicated kitchen to make a sandwich. peanut butter, banana, and mayo sandwich. That's disgusting. Do you think that he put the peanut butter on one slice of bread and he put the mayo and the bananas on the other slice of bread? And that's yes. how he combined it all? I would, yes. Yeah. Okay. That I makes think. sense. Uh, I don't know if I could ha- handle, like, the tart. I mean, I don't. I'm willing to try it. You know what? Maybe I am too. Maybe I'll, this weekend I'll try that. I feel like. If we it would only it, work if it had that. chocolate chips in it. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, but with mayo. But with mayonnaise. Yeah, see, know. it's the the tang of the mayonnaise is what throws me off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. All right. So, um, Jack mentions it's strange that Justine didn't tell them about Luke. Olivia wonders uh, what Justine has to do with this at all. I wonder why. And Jack says, well, Justine was with him when he got arrested. Uh-oh. Oh. Dinner time at Olivia's house. Jack uses his key to bring in flowers and pizza. Justine pops in and recognizes that the pizza is from the new place in town, and she notes that the chef is from Brooklyn, so you know it's authentic. Oh, really? Isn't Cedar Cove becoming cosmopolitan? So cosmopolitan. The Warren Saget gentrification project is in full swing, right? (laughs) Brooklyn pizza! Who would have thought? But I digress. Olivia had been calling Justine all day, wonders why she didn't pick up. Uh, Justine has a lame excuse, but the jig is up. She gets defensive, telling Olivia that just because she lives there, she doesn't get to know everything about her life. Olivia says this isn't a privacy issue. Justine could have been hurt. Could she? No. Justine explains that Bob thinks Luke has PTSD, and she says, None. None of this is his fault. You can't send him to prison. Oh, my God. Olivia notes that she has to remain impartial, but she knows a judge in Cooperton who has set up a special veterans court where the goal is rehabilitation, not punishment. Vet court. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. She thinks it's time to set up a similar program in Cedar Cove since it's so close to the naval base and she's been seeing a lot of vets in court recently. Justine is excited and asks how they can make this happen. Olivia says Luke will need a lawyer, but that she knows one who takes pro bono cases for good causes. And Justine says, Luke is a good cause. A really good cause. Ay, ay, ay. These two. At home with Peggy and Bob. Bob is brooding. 
Peggy tells Bob that Luke is not David, and we learn that David, who was apparently Bob's friend, suffered from PTSD and killed himself after Vietnam. Aww. It's just sad. Bob says he should have saved him. No. But Peggy says you can't save people. You can only try to help them. Back at the sheriff's office, Justine barges in to talk to Luke, but he's gone. Yep. Ian bailed him out an hour before. Ian! Ian! Justine wonders if he would skip town before his court appearance, and Sheriff Troy says, oh. oh but if God. he does, a bench warrant will be issued. Duh. That's how it works. He'll be arrested! Again? Yeah. So now, Justine and Cecilia are at Cecilia's house. They're making frantic phone calls, trying to locate Luke. Ian comes home and says, don't worry, Luke is going to pack up and then leave town. He says it's no big deal because he's going to talk to the guy that Luke punched and convince him not to press charges. Justine explains that, quote, the state is bringing charges, you idiot. <laughs> she might not have said the last part, yeah. but she should have. And suddenly Ian gets it. Man, he's in some trouble, isn't he? Oh, my God. Thanks. Um, Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Dumb. Bob and Peggy are leaving the time and tide to see Luke in jail, but here comes Justine, who thought he might be here. It turns out that no one knows where he is, and then there are many concerned faces. Justine heads to Olivia's chambers. She's worried Luke will end up in trouble, and that it's her fault. Justine says it's not her fault. You helped Luke. You did the right thing. But why, then, does she feel so bad? I don't know, because she's Justine, and she's a two? Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, God. Cut to the wharf. Apparently no one considered finding Luke at the wharf, even though it's really the only place anyone goes when they leave town. Um, <laughs> no one, that is, except Bob. He says to Luke, Where do you think you're going, son? Luke gives him a strong, angry look. Bob says it won't be any different anywhere else, except that Luke will then be a fugitive. Oh, He's, my God. Bob says that used to be him. He came back to Cedar Cove from Vietnam, a changed man. He didn't want help. He got lost in alcohol. But now he's proof that you can survive it. He tells Luke that they all want to help him, but that he has to ask for help. Luke says he's tired of running and starts to cry, and then they hug. Aww. Yeah. Back at the house, Justine tells Olivia that Luke's going to the base with Bob and Ian to be evaluated by psych services, which seems like something that must have already happened, or should have already happened, <laughs> yeah. when he returned from active duty. Yeah. But oh well. Olivia wants to wrap this whole plot up, and she's not alone. Everything worked out, she says. Ta-da, <laughs> Olivia! Problem solved! Done and done. Oh my god. She says Justine is good, and a helper, and all that, and Justine says it's because she's her mother's daughter. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Dude, yeah. these people don't know each other or themselves at all, do they? No. There's not a ton of self-knowledge no. on no. this show. No, yeah. no. Not Later, a ton of self-knowledge on this show. Later, Justine is in Olivia's backyard, and Luke shows up. Luckily, he's not there to hurt her. <laughs> um, but he doesn't Rip know. Rip her intestines out <laughs> of her oh stomach. God. With his canine teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to disavow you. <laughs> I'm not human. Oh I just God. killed Miss Calendar. Yeah, <laughs> here for you. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> Twenty-year-old show. Um, <laughs> he says he doesn't know why he's there, though. He says to her, and I she don't know. Says, I'm here. I followed the smell of your pheromones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't unsee him as a werewolf now. Yeah. It's impossible. I followed 
your trail. He's um, got tufts of fur sticking out of his like oh shirt sleeves he, in between his fingers he and toes. He's a werewolf. And cute little pointy fingernails that are actually Oh, his, his ears. Claws. I'm picturing his ears and yeah. they poke out and they sort of flop over a little. Like, yeah. like Teen Wolf. Like Teen yes. Wolf. Yes. <gasps> totally like Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Lucas Teen Wolf. <laughs> oh. I'm dangerous. You got hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to win the basketball game. <laughs> he totally went flying through the air on, on little strings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he doesn't know why she's there, but Justine says, you're welcome. Okay. All right. He so says they should go now. to get ice cream because they were going to get it before he got violent. He says it's his treat. <laughs> As they leave, the song playing on the soundtrack has the lyrics, I was made for you and you were made for me. Really? Do you think that's true, Aussies? Are they made for each other? No! No. But Justine is going to have ice cream with a veteran. (laughs) That means she wants to get pregnant. Oh my god! That's the signal. There was so much ice cream in this show. There was a ton of ice cream in this episode. Yeah. Alright. That's it. I have, well, I've learned things. I yeah. have two other notes that I d- wasn't sure where to put. Okay. One is, um, I wanted to comment on Justine's second outfit. She has another jacket. It's a cream-colored tapestry fabric motorcycle jacket. No. Which is, again, things that do not go together. <laughs> no. It's got a, a diagonal zipper and the lapel that falls down and the extra, extra exposed zipper pocket thing. It's cropped. But it is cream and then like a gray stripe a little bit. It's no. a tapestry. It is so no. weird. That sounds terrible. And she's wearing it with a blue rhinestone brooch. <laughs> which just... It, I only wear brooches now. Like a yeah. rhinestone brooch. Oh, good girl. Oh, he died. He died. Yeah. yeah. We just dated this episode. Oh, that's all right. It's okay. Yeah. It'll be nostalgic. Like Rest a, in power, the Clint other, Cable. Yeah, the other thing is that there is, and I'm not sure where this is in the episode or what it's connected to, but why is Jack Griffith sitting in the backyard with a cup of coffee reading the Chronicle? His own paper that he that he wrote the, himself? Yeah, he writes and edits the entire thing by himself. <laughs> why would he sit and read it when it comes well, out? You know, it's the only thing that he with reads. a cup of coffee in the backyard. He doesn't know how to read anything else. It's... it's Narcissism. Not even comics. Just pure narcissism, I right? I was just like, what? I wonder what I said was the news today. Yeah. I wonder what I said was the news today. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. You'd think he would have written it, edited it, proofed it, and like put yeah. it away from his brain. And why would that, that would be a like great question. the fourth time he looked at it? Uh, whatever. Anyway, I just thought that was weird. That's all I have. Well, I think that's a good segue into our five things. Oh, um, yeah, that's what, cause, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I remain tickled by Jack's self-serious attitude toward the Cedar Crow Chronicle <laughs> and his assertion that it is, quote, no different from the New York Times. No, no so, different. So for our five things, I was thinking we could brainstorm some ways to make the publications more similar to each other. So what could the Cedar oh. Cove Chronicle do to become more like the New York Times? Or what could the New York Times do to become more like the Cedar Cove Chronicle? Uh-huh. And I know we have a number of New York Times editors and reporters who are regular listeners to this podcast. Oh, yeah. So here's some free advice for you folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
God. Make your paper a little more folksy. Yeah. Yeah. How? Well, the senior page. Okay. I mean, you yeah. could... The New York Times needs a senior page. You could have Charlotte go into syndication. <laughs> and then, well, I think you just need to yeah. get rid of most of the New York Times and replace <laughs> most of it with a single senior's page. <laughs> get rid of Modern Love. Get rid of, like, yeah. the wedding announcements pages. Yeah. Just yeah. old people all the time. Mm-hmm. I think the New York Times, it could have really nice colored pictures in the in the classifieds. Oh, yeah. Actually, it could have a classifieds. Yeah, it doesn't have uh-huh. a classified. Not in the national edition, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Looking for like, lots like of the cabin for rent picture. That it was huge. Cowboy Cliff. It was huge, and it was, it was a, a huge color. Color. It was beautiful picture. Yeah. Amazing. So maybe the New York Times. Maybe the New York Times wouldn't be in such financial trouble if they <laughs> did a better job. Did with better job with yeah. classifieds. Yeah. Maybe then the Chronicle could also have New York Times inspired like real estate sections oh. with like whole profiles on uh, homes in Cedar Cove. Yes. And we could start with the horrendous murder house by the lake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That could be part of the headline. Yeah. We the murder, 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 house by, murder house by the lake. We could add restaurant reviews <gasps> to the Cedar Cove Chronicle. Yeah. And only for fish tacos. Yeah, it would be it would like, just, cycle through it would be the like same Captain's Galley, Moons. moons. Brooklyn then, Pizza Guy. Oh, the Brooklyn Pizza Oh, the Brooklyn Pizza Guy. Justine needs a job. Justine needs a place. She doesn't know where her place is. I don't know. I could do restaurant reviews. I'm always eating at them. Because she is. Yeah. Like, I eat a lot for such a small person. Luke says so. Did I tell you that I love ice cream? She does love ice cream. Yeah. What about... Um, what about... Yeah. Uh, so Go I ahead. was going to say, you know, unless... The art gallery has actually been exploded off the face of the map. Yeah. Which it might have been. Sure. No one goes there anymore. No one goes there anymore. We haven't seen it. Yeah. There should just be, like, an art section devoted to the gallery and the goings-on around the gallery. Yeah. 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 One gallery. I want a vows section in the Cedar Grove Chronicle, right? Ooh. Yeah. I want stories of people... You know what... Getting engaged. <laughs> what about a police blotter for the New York Times? Oh, yeah. Just crime like watch. A, yeah, a crime watch crime for the New York Times. The New York it's York like Times. a bunch of like uh, shifty characters spotted mm-hmm. on such and such corner. Yeah. Ad nauseum. Felon watch. Yeah. Felon watch. <laughs> the Chronicle could also run David Brooks's column. Yeah. <laughs> could run Grace's Ask a Librarian column. Oh my gosh, they totally could. That'd be perfect. That'd be fantastic. I think we figured it out. Yeah, we solved it. Alright, next time on No Helmet Required, we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 7. Farewell, listener. We advise you to go through life with a crooked smile and a knowing gaze. Please stay roughly within the law and use your down-home common sense. Yay! Yay!